Welcome to Warren Radio with your hosts, the Watchman Dana Smith and Tower. Thanks for listening. Greetings and welcome to Warren Radio Advocacy and Gospel News for the Persecuted Church. I am Tower and we are glad you joined us. Warren Radio Advocacy Broadcast for the Persecuted Church is a fast-moving gospel news program. And all correspondence and inquiries of the WIBR Warren Radio Network can be sent to us through our contact page on warren-usa.com. Today is Wednesday, September, September, April 29th, 2020. And the scripture reading this week is Leviticus chapter 16, starting at verse 1 through chapter 20, verse 27, Amos chapter 9, verses 7 through 15, and Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 2 through through, um, verse 20, and then chapter 22, verses 1 through 19, and the New Testament portion is Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 28, and 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through 16. Be sure to follow the Warren, the WIBR Warren Radio on Twitter at hashtag WatchmanIS216, also hashtag Warren Radio. On LinkedIn, you can find us by hashtag Watchman. And join us on USA.life and MeWe at hashtag Warn Radio. The Warn Radio Network is available through the following carriers, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, iTunes Player, Apple Podcast, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, Warn Radio on Visions, Warn Radio Visions on Blog Talk Radio, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Google Podcast, Anchor, Deezer, and Podchaser. You can also listen to the shows by going to warn-usa.com or danaglinsmith.com. Please take time to read the pertinent articles by The Watchman. They're inspired and important reading for this day and age we're living in. This week we feature Righteousness in an Age of Lawlessness. Righteousness confronts the age of lawlessness, living righteous in a time of uncertainty, pride, trouble, and immorality. Peace is the moment that many people seek in life. An Orion Shadow Materializing of Evil. Orion Shadow Materializing of Evil has prophecy, stars, signs, aliens, and purebred evil. Against this comes purity, redemption, and truth. In a battle as old as life itself, it is said that history is something we need to understand and learn from. And also, don't miss this featured post, Dr. Michael Lake. Watchman Dana Smith interviewed Dr. Lake in February of 2017 regarding end-time empowerment of the um, Sharif Imperative from his latest book at that time. So you can go to warn-usa.com 
or danaglennsmith.com to read the latest articles by the Watchmen. And now I welcome in the Watchmen. You're listening to WARN Radio on the WIBR WARN Radio Network. Don't forget to visit our websites at warn-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com. And also follow us on Twitter, find us on Instagram, and join us on LinkedIn. Greetings, Dana. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. What's going on? Well, up front, we're going to be talking about Iraq and COVID-19. One of the big things that's been hitting uh, the world, of course, as you well know, is COVID, more commonly known as coronavirus. And uh, in Iraq... Now, see, if you get in um, Libya, Syria, Iraq, and even Afghanistan, those four nations, because of the wars that's been there, the move of ISIS, there's also the Taliban in there, um, and we have Russia that are in certain parts, we have Iran that's in other parts, we have got a plethora of trouble. And it's really hard for many of the Christian communities there to really find safety in this mess and now they've got the covid well the covid uh, hit iraq in late february and of course in our neck of the woods it's still pretty cold at that time and uh, of course you're coming out of war and everything else it's been a while since it's been the war but it's been so upset and of course you know another reason is because of isis and the total devastation And uh, it was very vulnerable. It had a caretaker government and a wave of protests that had uh, started in October of 2019. And then, of course, there was a sharp decline in oil prices. And, and of course, that's exactly what we see in a lot of areas. Uh, Nigeria and, of course, Venezuela, both of those for years have been suffering from Uh, the oil prices, and then, of course, with the American oil that, you know, we've got uh, more oil now, became one of the largest producers. I mean, the whole situation of a lot of these areas uh, that depend on oil and various kinds of income to keep going is not there. And, of course, in the middle of this, you've got um, a regular problem with the church and of course this is the Chaldean church which is actually a an offshoot of the Catholic church they're all related matter of fact most of the news comes out of the Vatican and of course then you got the Syriac church in Syria and most of them that's the way it goes then you got the Russian Orthodox you have the Greek Orthodox all of these originally streamed out of the Roman church but nevertheless <laughs> When they looked at the stats there, Iraq almost, uh, they had uh, 1,800 reported cases uh, and 83 deaths. And uh, 
Now, according to some of the medical sources that are trying to track everything and independent analysis, they say the toll is much higher. And some doctors were reportedly targeted by police for reporting three times more cases. Now, I don't know why they would do that. But, uh, you know, in the midst of that, this is the kind of thing that really causes trouble uh, for for all the people because you're trying to rebuild your life, trying to rebuild the congregation. Many of them, even including in Syria and you get in Iraq, um, the Christians that were there in Iraq, there was a large Christian community there, and most of them haven't come back into the country. And there's a lot of them that won't come back into the country because it's too unsettled. And, of course, in the middle of all of this, you've got this ongoing trouble, and then the COVID hits, not to mention the fact uh, So at any rate, when we when we look at all of this, and then we look at, for instance, Samaritan's Purse and all these others, um, we've got a major problem. And most of them, uh, including Barnabas Aid and, I mean, uh, International Christian Concern, a lot of them uh, are trying to fill the gap. Because most of these people, especially when you get uh, into uh, India and a lot of these other places as well, uh, they were all closed down. There was no jobs. Everybody decided to close all their economies down. So really, um, it's kind of interesting when you look at the, a global uh, depression that could come out of this. Uh, and uh, because you're trying to get up all these economies at the same time and at the same time trying to deal with all the people. So... This is very much on the front forefront when we talk about missions, when we talk about the Christian church overseas. And uh, in America, we have more resources. We have uh, more medicines uh, or availability. Uh, we have uh, hospitals, you know, a lot more stuff than they do overseas and uh, a lot better trajectory to get out of where we were into a good uh, uh, economy. Matter of fact, uh, they were talking today that uh, that uh, as far as the interest rate, they're going to keep the interest rate at zero for quite a while uh, in order to bring this economy out of everything. So it it, it is really devastating when we when we look at it. And uh, so remember that while you're praying for the persecuted church and remember that there's a whole pile of ministries out there that are on the field that deal with uh, the native uh, pastors over there many of those native pastors uh, go go to their parishioners they also hand it out to other people that are having trouble there and the only problem is the availability of uh, product to give to give out and that is limited by the amount of money that the ministry uh, can buy stuff and give to these people. So it, it's a big, big flow. So if all the if all the America 
and most of uh, Europe, which gives a lot in missions, if if they all don't have jobs and if they can't give any money, then that's going to reflect on the mission field and people are going to be hurting even worse. That's why we need to get back to work. That's why Christians and churches need to continue giving overseas. And uh, we need yes, just believe, believe God to uh, keep going. And uh, now we've got a couple of others, and, and this is a lot of the news, and it was kind of interesting that we came across uh, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Of course, you're well aware that uh, he returned to work, and he was he's trying to uh, get the UK up. So see, there's another one, and Barnabas Aid is is in the UK. Mm-hmm. They've got an American address, and there's a number of uh, <laughs> when you get over in the British Isles, when you get up in uh, uh, Ireland and Scotland, you get over in Europe, you get in Germany. There's ministries, all of whom that we have come across over all of these years, all of them work uh, with ministries and uh, native pastors and things helping out around the world. And so with the COVID hitting, and, and I mean, it's hitting, it's devastating for a lot of these people because they don't have much money anyway. And then what money they have is gone. And then there's no food and nobody's producing anything and everybody's unemployed and it it can be a mess. Now up in the UK, they recorded more than 20,000 deaths among the people and uh, the fifth country in the world to reach that total and thousands more are thought to have died in nursing homes. Now, of course the nursing home problem was one that they faced in New York that uh, governor Cuomo faced because he had uh, talked about uh, the nursing homes uh, there and told them that they needed to take in COVID patients. So 50% of America's total came from the nursing home totals uh, in uh, New York and New Jersey, Um, a lot of deaths in there. And so when we switch gears then, um, uh, we read of Pastor Robert Burke. He happens to be... uh, Uh, the pastor of Danielsville Baptist Church, he contracted the virus. And we've heard a lot of these people, a lot of Christians that have gotten it. And his wife says that he was so close to death, she said, but she also refused to believe that because I know my God is the ultimate healer, that he was going to heal Robert. And uh, on March 19th, this is kind of uh, a while ago, but... uh, you know, he was rushed to the hospital, and he and he says, I do know that without Jesus Christ healing and touching my body and giving me what I needed, that I wouldn't have survived. Amen. But he spent, he spent weeks in the hospital uh, before realizing where he was and what was happening, and that's the confused and disoriented uh, part of this. Now, when I was a boy, I used to get uh, uh, bronchial pneumonia. My mother would get it. My dad never got it. And the doctors told me I would grow out of it. But uh, during the time of having that, that was one of the worst worst things I've ever happened because my temperature was so high. They had to watch me real close. And I was dizzy all the time. I couldn't look at the ceiling because it was spinning. I was coming in and out. Uh, a lot of times I just 
you felt like you were going to die is one of the worst feelings in the world. So I can sympathize with this pastor. He was confused and disoriented, didn't even know where he was and didn't realize what was going on for, for quite a while. It says spent weeks. Uh, so that's, that's really a mess when you spend weeks like that tower. Oh, I know. And, and the doctors only gave him, he, they said he was in such poor condition that he only had a slim 1% chance of surviving. Well, that's, he's a miracle. I believe God did touch him, you know, that Jesus healed him. Well, you know, when you look at that and, and how bad it was, he says uh, that he prays every day right now for that people who have this thing don't lose their life. I mean, yeah. it is devastating, but the people in America are ready to go back to work. We can't keep not working. We can't just stay hold up. You know, you've got to protect the nursing homes and these other things. Uh you know, we know uh, the nursing home over here. We know of two nursing homes. One is doing really well, uh, and and this is in our locality, but it's another place. And then there's another uh, one in another town, not too far away, that uh, they've had a terrible time over there and had a lot of people get it. So we see nursing homes with good uh, uh, organization. They're able to. Uh, really, you step know, up, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we, step up we, and stop this. We talked. We talked to a person the other day that works in a uh, nursing home, and they set up a COVID unit. And anybody that comes in as a new patient, they have to be there quarantined for two weeks before and test um, negative twice before they let them in with the other people. All the um, other residents are staying in their rooms. They are um, being fed in their rooms, and they don't go out. The therapy, if they're on getting physical therapy, the therapists go to their rooms. Um, they don't let any relatives or any visitors into the building. The pharmacies can't come in. The water, they have to meet them at the door, and they're real. And they have not had one case of the coronavirus, so. They're doing a top-notch job of taking care of the residents and the staff. And the staff also has to um, go through this special check station. They have to take their temperature and sign a paper when they check in and put on a face mask before they're able to enter into the with the residents. So that's good. No, it really amounts to, you know, stepping up and really enforcing that. Uh, And she was also talking about how many tests they had to take, you know, tested for the, for the thing. They didn't, didn't she say they were tested twice? Yeah. The, the new people entering in. Yes. So, uh, you know, I mean, well, when you look at New York, and look at all the deaths that they had and that the total we have 50%. And of course the naming, you know, what did they die of? And I personally seen a a number of examples where people really died of other things, but they went ahead and said it was coronavirus anyway. Yeah. Um, So they can get more funding. So I, I don't know where all this is. I heard Dr. Brick say herself that 
if they had another condition, but they died while having COVID, they were going to put it as COVID. I heard her say that at one of the afternoon briefings they did. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But uh, the thing of it is, I would think that if if they died of something else and had COVID, uh, I mean, really, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know how you could tell uh, which thing killed them. The because COVID. COVID. Well, they say that COVID aggravates everything else. Now we know, yeah. uh, we know about this aggravation type of stuff, especially with an autoimmune, and COVID is autoimmune. Tower and I both are very, very familiar with autoimmune disease, and we know that one thing can affect everything else, and you would be surprised how easy these things can be affected because of something that destroys your autoimmune system, and COVID destroys that. It attacks that, so this is where the issue is, and, and people have got to pay attention to this. And so with that, we're going to move on into Nigeria, which is just a mess. Um, and this, of course, comes from Barnabas Fund. Barnabas Fund is, is a good uh, ministry. They work on a lot of things. The International Christian Concern uh, on persecution.com, uh, Samaritan's Purse. There's, I have a whole listing, a, a big, big listing of these various ministries. But, uh, you know... This is a thing that is beyond irritating, and that is the years that we've been reporting on Nigeria, and and uh, I first was really hitting it hard during uh, Jonathan Goodluck Johnson when he was the president of Nigeria, and at that time there was just Boko Haram. Now with uh, Buhari there, who is the president, and I think he's in his second term now. Uh, he is a Fulani, and it wasn't known right away that he was a Fulani, but all of a sudden the Fulani started attacking Christians and killing them, and then come to find out that Buhari is a Fulani. But, you know, nobody in Nigerian government stops the Fulani. They don't try to stop, it seems, Boko Haram. And uh, there's an ISIS group that popped up. Now there's three different groups. And in the past, there was one. Now there's three. And every one of them are targeting Christians. You know, this Not is too just gut-wrenching, Dana. Every I know. time I hear about it and read about it, it just makes me sick to my stomach. It's just horrible what's going on in Nigeria with these, these flawny herdsmen are allowed to get away with. I just unconscionable and i don't know why somebody just doesn't go in there and take care of them well see these people are killing pregnant women as well and as well as children and why can't you stop it why doesn't nobody does anything and you've got the u.n and the security council nobody does anything in the u.n i i i just absolutely despise the u.n and the world health organization and, uh, inter, you know, the, the International Criminal Court, all this stuff is just a bunch of global gobbledygook. You know, uh, the U.N., you know, even when they did send out some U.N. troops, and we, we've uh, reported in the past of rapes by the very U.N. troops themselves uh, performed in the areas where they were. 
we, you know, there are so much atrocities, even with uh, the UN uh, and these other things. So, it, well, in this latest one that we have up, 28 homes were burned out. There was nine Christians killed, two young children and a pregnant woman. Uh, the youngest victim was a three-year-old boy who was laying beside his dead pregnant mother. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is just like, what is the matter with you people? Of course, they're killing people in the name of their God. They think really, literally believe that they are doing God a service by killing everybody. And, and that's an exact prophecy that the Lord said would come to pass. That the day would come when those that kill you would think that they're doing God a service. That's horrible. Boy, yeah. they're going to be surprised on Judgment Day. They're going to be in for a big surprise. Well, they are going to be in for a big surprise. And, you know, the thing of it is they're fighting the COVID, which uh, affects the region. And, you know, they've had casualties in Nigeria from the coronavirus, but nothing seems to stop these people from killing these believers. And when it first started, Boko Haram was actually attacking other Muslims in Nigeria. And uh, the reports that we've been getting in for years now, most of the time it's... uh, it's Christians. And yeah. uh, right now, the group that has been doing a ton of stuff has been the Fulanis. Boko Ram is also very active in Africa. And uh, matter of fact, there's been a coalition of people that, a uh, coalition of nations that's tried to come together to fight them and they couldn't. But uh, as I've said before, the big issue with uh, Africa is the fact that they are very, very tribal. This is this is normal. This goes back to the way they lived before Islam. This goes back to in the beginning when they were in huts running around half naked and and there was no modern language. This goes back to the time of uh, Livingston and earlier when when they did this, you know, and uh, even before America. They've always had tribes. They've always had tribal warfare. And this thing is also in the islands, the South Pacific. It's in South, it was in South America. It was even in North America, this tribal warfare. And uh, in Africa, they've never thrown it off. And see, radical Islam actually uh, uh, fits to that tribal warfare mantra. And it satisfies that flesh that that these uh, warriors feel for fighting. And, of course, they've got now an excuse, uh, killing in the name of their God now, which they're going to find out that uh, they're going to be uh, in, in a lot of trouble. And... Uh, Sad. You know, it, it just... And they never have guns. They never have protection. You know, they they are always caught off guard. These these people come in and slaughter them. They burn their homes. They take whatever they want. They kill whoever they want. They take Take their their land land. and cattle. Yeah, I mean, every time that I've seen this, nobody fights back. Everybody's slaughtered except the ones that can get in the bush and hide. It's just absolutely uh, gut-wrenching. 
And I, I it, for the life of me, I don't understand why somebody doesn't get armed and go get after the Fulanis and kill them and be done with it. But, uh, you know, the whole world watches. We're not the only one. Almost every ministry, everybody that you can think of that works on the ground, they know what's the matter with Nigeria. They know what happens in Burkina Faso. They know what happens in parts of Kenya. They know what's happening. Nobody does it. Nobody stops it. Because once you get in Africa, there's too many places for them to hide. It's too big. You'll never get out of there. I mean, that that must be the reason they never get in there. So at any rate, pray for the people in in Africa and and in Nigeria and a lot of these other places. There needs to be some help here for these people. This is just terrible. And so, and Tower has something coming up. Okay. This is about... Oh, are you ready for me to do it? or? Yes, I am. Okay. This is um, about a young woman living in Iran. Her name is Mary Fatima Mohammadi, and she's a Christian human rights activist. She's very beautiful. She's thin, looks petite, and here she's been ordered to be flogged 10 lashes i i just don't see how she could take that violence it's just disturbing greatly disturbing and she's come under significant pressure from the iranian authorities over the years because of her christian human rights activism in the latest incident she was arrested because she was present in the area of the protest where Iranians had a, had rallied regarding the government's downing of a Ukrainian airline flight 752. The issue of the government's complicity in targeting the passenger flight remains highly sensitive in Iran. And Mary further explained this connection on Instagram saying that her sentence is a consequence of protesting against the slaughter of human beings because of showing sympathy for the families of those who perished on the Ukraine airline crash because of defending the rights of all humans. After her arrest, she disappeared for nearly a month before she was discovered in um, Korkak, a woman's prison, and it has a reputation with various types of gender abuse And while she was there, she reported that she was beaten and suffered other kinds of mistreatments at the hand of the officials, including being strip searched twice. She was eventually released on bail of, in American dollars, it was $2,250. And she was charged with disrupting public order by participating in an illegal rally. And her case was heard in Branch 6 of the 33rd District Court of Even of Evan before being transferred to Branch 1167 of the Tehran Provincial Christian or the Provincial Criminal Courts. And she said, following her sentence, there is no evidence against me, so I should have been acquitted. But instead, I was sentenced not only to imprisonment, but also flogging. It should be mentioned that even before the verdict was handed down, I was forced to endure all kinds of torture, 
some of which was sanctioned by law and which ought to be considered crimes in themselves. We have refrained from appealing against the verdict because the appeals courts have turned into confirmation courts. She said, I am proud of sympathizing with human beings in the real harsh environment of the streets. This is my conviction and the cost. So remember to pray for Mary in Iran and others like her who are standing up against the government. Dana, can you hear me? We're going to be discussing Mao's Israel right now. Okay. Mao's Israel uh, goes back a long, long ways. They go a long ways back with us. I interviewed Ari, the head of Mao's, Mao's, uh, Mao's Israel, a long, long time ago. Um, and uh, they are a ministry in Israel, a Christian ministry. And uh, they've had phenomenal uh, results in Israel. Uh, they have have both uh, Jews and Arabs, uh, very uh, multifaceted, uh, uh, you know, church. And they help out in a lot of different ways in Israel. And, uh, you know, his, his story begins this way. More packages in the mail, I asked as I got in the car and pushed over the pile of envelopes. The year was 1992, and being a Jewish believer in Yeshua was still one of the strangest things most Israelis have ever heard of. A special mailbox had been set up to receive mail from Israelis interested in knowing more about our faith, but hesitant to reveal their identity. We could understand their initial anxiety and would connect them with a believer that they could talk to who lived in their area. Of course, not all the mail that arrived was from inter- that arrived was from interested parties. And he notes that one package was full of pages from that outreach book that was being given out, and the sender had used it as toilet paper before mailing it. I rummaged through the pile and found another package as I opened it gently to see what was inside a fine powder puffed out of the top ashes. They had burned the book and sent it back. Oh, my goodness. I was too young to remember, he says, if this secret mailbox ever resulted in Israelis coming to the Lord. I do, however, recall the never-ending hostilities towards us as Jewish believers. I remember the Orthodox Jews who looked like they could spit dragon fire once they realized who we were. I remember the government passing laws that defined the belief in the Jewish rabbi Yeshua as a betrayal of everything Jewish. I remember secular Israelis looking at us as if we believed aliens walked among us. They weren't necessarily hostile, but we definitely were an odd bunch to them. I also remember the summers when we flew to the U.S., and that's where I met Christians. They smiled big and enjoyed feeding us. They loved everybody, and they also ignored anything they didn't understand. He says, I remember walking through the halls of ministry buildings and schools and seeing the 1040 window map that was spread across the walls. Now, that has to do with uh, missions. 
Every country with, within the window was brightly colored with stats of population, economic status, religious breakdown. Every country except Israel. Israel was gray as if it weren't there. Now, see, in the maps, there's always those ones that were closed. And Israel was closed for a long time. China had been closed. There was a lot of them that were totally closed. Even Russia, for the most part, was closed. But we actually had friends of ours in Bible school that was preparing us as uh, uh, Russian missionaries. But it was really, really tough. They eventually came back after a year or two on the field. It was very, very hard over there. So, uh, you know, when you talk about a 1040 window, you've got definite problems. Uh, As a teen, he says, I didn't grasp the theological ramifications of this, that Christians weren't really sure what to do with Israel. And uh, and there's a lot of truth in this. I mean, very. And when I say that, it's all truth. But uh, when I say there's a lot of truth, what he brings up is something that we've personally come in uh, come in contact with. that the people of Israel hadn't been part of a Christian theology for centuries. Uh, And I've talked about that myself, that there was such an enmity between the Jews and the Christians. Uh, There was a lot of persecution uh, that way, um, and the Jews stayed away. Uh, And, of course, there was a reason they stayed away, because when you go back in church history, all the way back to Constantine, and then there was the early church uh, uh, gatherings that they had to determine the the, the theology of the churches. Uh, it was uh, under Constantine that uh, they had thrown off uh, any Jewishness within the Christian church. And, of course, that would be keeping the Sabbath light and candles and a number of things that the early apostles would have done, as well as a lot of the early Christians. So there's a lot of these things that followed through the ages and a few theological attempts made it into the limelight. Now, this also is true. Israel is already saved. In other words, they're saved because they keep the law. We're saved because we go by according to the uh, the New Testament, the New Covenant. I mean, this is actually uh, different theologies there that people believe. Israel gets saved after the rapture. That's very, very true. That's one thing that they believe. And they believe that those in Revelation, when you look at it, uh, there's the saints there. They believe that's Israel. Israel rejected God and is therefore no longer being offered salvation. Now, see, that's another thing as well. So there's all these various things that Israel had to, um, had to put up with. He says that the last one was actually the oldest theory, the one Christians seemingly agreed upon soon after the original Jewish apostles died out and Gentile believers outnumbered the Jewish ones. Now, see, there's very there's a lot of truth in this, and this is why over the centuries, Paul himself said that when he was gone, grievous wolves would enter in the flock and would spare nobody. It, it would be terrible. And uh, Peter warned uh, along the same line, uh, many of them talked about nothing but deception. The Lord, in when he was talking about the end of days in Matthew 24, uh, Luke 21, Mark 13, one of the things he warned about was deception, false teachers, false prophets, false Christ, deception, deception, deception. And uh, so by the time they get done, uh, there was that 
that attitude that Christians need to help extend, extinguish, help uh, God extinguish that people group who killed God. By extinguish, they meant kill or force them to renounce their wicked Jewish heritage and convert to Christianity. Now, see, I don't believe that for a second, never did. But there was that, too, and we've seen this uh, literally throughout history. Um, of course, he says, for the most part, modern Christians are not hostile. Now, one of the reasons he's going through that is to help you understand the trouble you have with trying to reach Israel. And, uh, he, you know, many of them, he says, many of the modern Christians still carry the old thought that Jews all should be converting to Christianity. Still, many evangelicals today have bewildered Israel's government with their unwavering support of the modern state of Israel. Now, see, the number one thing is Jews need to believe in the Messiah, Yeshua. And that Messiah, Yeshua, was a Jew, and he went into the synagogue, and he knew the laws and everything. All your apostles were Jews and Jewish believers in Yeshua, and you know, to say that you have to take an Indian, for instance, in America, which early church believers did, and cut their hair, force them to go to English schools, remove all of their, all of everything that they ever knew, instead of adapting who they were, and let him know what is right, what is wrong, and let him follow this God. And uh, God is very comfortable with, with dealing with his people, but... Uh, there's been a lot of things. And, of course, uh, when you get into Romans uh, and you get uh, the Apostles Paul discussion about it and Israel, he does talk about Israel being blinded and them um, coming to the Lord. But over all of these years of uh, Ari's and his wife, uh, uh, their ministry, he's kind of retired and taken another position, but uh, the ministry keeps growing, but the persecution is still there in Israel. But nevertheless, we back Israel, And uh, but make no mistake, there are Jews in Israel that are as bad as some of the, some of the Arabs on the other side of the fence that are Muslims. Uh, many of those radical Muslims would kill Christians in a moment, and there's some of these ultra- conservative and radical uh, Jewish uh, believers that, in fact, uh, you know, they have uh, sent some of these uh, dudes to jail because of killing uh, Christians. Uh, so make no mistake about it. You know, Israel, uh, there are those in there still to this day that uh, absolutely fear the book of the Christians, fear the God of the Christians. They, they don't talk about it. They won't have anything to do about it. Uh, so it is a it is a mess, but uh, one of the top ministries over in Israel, uh, of course, there's Jerry Golden who is bringing Jews into Israel, and there's Mao's Israel. These are two we know of. There's a, there's a number of others there that we know of, but uh, these are the two that uh, we we have had some contact with, um, Moaz more than uh, Jerry Golden, uh, but. Uh, you need to be praying for Israel. Israel believers need to come to know the Messiah just like everybody does. But you don't have to cut the feathers and the wings and 
you know, and tear them apart in order to try to get them saved. All they got to do is repent and God will take it from there. So pray for Israel. Um, Now, you know, there is no doubt that when we talk about it, and I haven't got any kind of an update on Mary Muhammad, who is a Christian human rights activist, and uh, for somehow, somehow she got on Instagram, and you find a lot of these people on Instagram, they're on MeWe, they're on a lot of a lot of places, even Iran, uh, Iran, uh, not Iran, but China, China, uh, a lot of Chinese are on Telegram. And a lot of these believers, they can get on Telegram, just like uh, Mary could get on Instagram or some of the other yeah, things. That's kind of surprising that she could get on from Iran. Well, it is, you know. And the thing of it is, is that so you can, you know, we have never had the ability to talk to people in this kind of a circumstance. Uh, where they can get on. And most of them, when they get on, they can only get on in quick, short time, and then you won't see them again for maybe a couple of weeks. Then they'll try to get on again. Uh, And so it's very, very hard to get that. But for the first time, we can talk to people in America with people in China and Iran. And uh, this Mary, one of her, uh, you know, when we covered her, she was on Instagram, and uh, we are. Uh, I started a thing, MeWe. We had instantly uh, a young man that uh, started coming on from over in India, somewhere over there. Uh, they usually don't tell you where they're from. They don't even talk to you most of the time. Uh, but most of the time, ninety percent of the time. Uh, they're trying to get friendly to try to get you to send them uh, a donation or something. And you can't blame them. But the problem you run into is that when we were dealing directly with native pastors and people in India, uh, we had people selling our address. They were getting paid for it on that end. And, and we had a whole mailbox full of people of letters from India. And people, uh, you know, that were trying to get money from us already had jobs. We had uh, contacts in India that were uh, going around uh, uh, finding out about some of them. They already had jobs. We had government officials, you know, all kinds of things going on. And so you got to be very careful. And that's why as as a ministry, uh, Warren Radio deals only with uh, – Ministries that we know, like uh, Samaritan's Purse, Mao's Israel, and a number of others that we know, uh, the money that we give goes uh, into the in, into the right places. But there are a lot of people out there, and a lot of people are going to be uh, are on uh, Instagram and a lot of other things, and you can really touch into that. But you got to be careful uh, in all of these cases. And usually, Tower, as is the case, there is more need than there is supply. Exactly, unfortunately. You know, and the thing that bugs me, you know, Bill Gates has been in the news, and he's a multi-billionaire. 
Soros is a billionaire, and he spends all his money on trying to overthrow America. It, it really bothers me that you have these kind of people that have all the money in the world. And if you take, if each one of them would give up a billion dollars and just put them into missions to help the missions and reach out, that would do or, so much good. Or help homeless people. Even in the United States, I don't understand that. Everybody's sending you, money overseas and they neglect the home front. Well, That's that gets us that gets us back to Nancy Pelosi's district and yeah. and and what they're doing there. And at the same token, uh they want to allow more people into America when if you look at what's in uh Nancy Pelosi's district, it's a filthy mess. Yeah, and a lot of big people. Yeah, a, a lot of people are like that. I, I mean, a number of cities are like that. A lot of them, and uh, you know, it's just everything is upside down. You know, the Democrats want to spend most of their time opening up this thing and bringing more people in when we can't take care of the people on the streets. Now, see, I've been on the streets and I've dealt with people on the streets, and there are people there that you can't help. I remember one night. Tower and I was eating in a restaurant and looked out and there was a guy standing there and he was homeless and he was um, uh, in the snow. And so yeah, I went out snowing. to talk to him. Huh? I said it was snowing. The snow was coming down. It was a blizzard out there and he was standing out in it. And so I went out and I said, you know, there's a place over here that'll put you up. You can have warm, hot meal all the time. There's a bed there and everything else. And I said, uh, I, you know, I can take you over there. Uh, but this guy just went bananas. He said, they're of the devil. I'm not going over there. I'll stay like this. And, I mean, you couldn't even talk to the guy. I mean, you couldn't even offer any anything to talk to him about because he was so and you do find them. You find people, uh, you know, uh, I remember friends of ours, uh, buddies of ours, people that we knew from Bible school who was ministering in the inner city in Seattle. And they came back to the school and was telling us all what was going on. And they had a coffee shop. Well, our ministry that we started in Bible school was a coffee shop in a lot in a local town close to where the school was. And uh, so uh, we were talking to him, and, and he said, yeah, we, we had this one guy come in. And, and we were talking to him, uh, told him about the Lord, that he would deliver him and remove uh, the lust of the flesh and all these other things. Uh, and this guy says, well, I like the lust. He says, I don't want to be delivered. I like this. And he walked back out the door. Good grief. And, you know, the Thank Lord you. himself in John 3:16 you go down a couple of verses he says they won't come to the light because they love darkness more and that's that's that was what he wanted and uh you know it just you know people have a choice they they have a choice so at any rate when we're talking of missions and issues and troubles folks we have to have to be praying have to be led of the lord and uh um you know, on our street minister, we used to even go into bars. Uh, and uh, I don't recommend that for everybody. <laughs> That's I wouldn't a do that in this ministry. day and age. Yeah, I but, wouldn't do uh, that in this day and age. 
but we always had people that were with us, that worked with us. We were a group of believers. They they worked with us in our ministry, and uh, that's what we did. And people got saved, but, you know, the bottom line of it is uh, if you're going to go into a bar, you better have your starch and you better be prepared. And today you can get killed going into a bar because uh, they're, they're a lot more wicked, I think, Tower. Oh, I think so, too. Now, you know, one one place that we haven't covered is Laos. Uh, yeah. Very little on Laos. And we have a story out of Open Doors who talks about northern Laos. And uh, they lived in a remote village in, this, uh, in northern Laos. And the tribal chief uh, was standing outside their homes. And... Uh, they were mad at these three Christian families because they were Christian and he was thundering his voice and they were going to destroy. And uh, the day that the village chief stood up and was yelling and screaming for the rest of the village to come, uh, these families lost their homes their community because they left the tribe's religion to follow Jesus. And, uh, they went into a nearby rice field and they put together some, you know, shelters, but nothing, you know, that would last. And so the villagers sought them out and they destroyed what they had there as a shelter. And then a local pastor, um, they, you know, uh, they ended up relocating into another village well, guess what? The other village told the place where they're at. And so the village chief told them that they need to move because they might anger the spirits of the village. And most of these are like that. And so a Christian from another district had heard about this and stepped into the lives. And he offered them his former house at a low rent. And the pastor's family helped them settle there and register and a registered church has provided them with food. And so open doors then will support them with rental fee and other needs. That's good. Unbelievable. And, And that's how it works. See, because the ministry on the ground is a native pastor. The native pastor has support from the international, uh, you know, um, humanitarian Christian organizations like Open Doors, Samaritan's Purse, Barnabas Aid, and others. And then they have support from Christians and others uh, who give their money to help them so they can supply what they need over there. And they can supply, you know, donkeys, horses, cows, chickens. Uh, You know, I remember we provided some money for bricks to build someone a house in India because they didn't have a home. It'd be hard to burn them out of brick. Yes. So, uh, you know, at any rate, uh, you know, this is, this is missions today, folks. And, uh, if you're, if you have problems today, we can understand, we can understand that maybe you don't want to always think about a lot of these things, but look up from your circumstance 
pray for the persecuted church and the people around you. Uh, there's people in America that have trouble too. Pray for others. Pray for their needs and plead to the God of heaven to make a way for them. And then find you a good Christian organization. It might even be your church, but like the Assemblies of God, for instance, we know them very well. Um, they, at one time, I don't know it now because we are connected with other uh, other things. At any rate, uh, they always had a direct line to their missionaries. The missionaries had a direct line to the Native Church, always. So, at any rate, that's a little bit of what we're doing this week. Uh, COVID um, and Iraq. Um, You know something I just noticed? What's that? We missed one here. I'm going to have to move it down. I can't believe it. Which one? Uh, The militant antichrist. (laughs) I Hmm. didn't even see that one. That was one of the first ones. I didn't see it either. We'll have to do it next week. Yeah. So at any rate, we're going to have to get out of here. Yes, we are. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. We love you. We pray for you. And we appreciate all you do for the Lord. Pray for your brothers and sisters as they pray for you. May God richly bless you in all that you do. Good night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow night. And uh, around here, COVID is lifting. Uh, Summer's coming in. We're getting ready to plant uh, and uh, get a lot of stuff growing. And uh, it's not over, but yet around the world, your brothers and sisters in Christ really need your help. They need your prayers, especially those that are in prison. It's just like that young woman that went into prison she needs your prayers there's a lot of them in prison so pray for them don't forget folks pray for those who are persecuted and uh, go by our websites warn-usa.com danaglinsmith.com we got a lot of solid material there and things you you need to read they'll be encouragement they'll teach you they'll help you there's a lot of work uh, that that goes into this stuff. We've been doing this for a lot of years. So check it out and, and tell your friends about it. Help us to get the word out. Shalom, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Warren Radio.